Well, good morning to all of you. Yesterday was the end of our soccer season for Jackson, and we had a great season, but I am glad it's over. But on Wednesday of this week was our final practice, and we had, I had one of those rare opportunities to where a young man who is befriended Jackson, and I have got to be good friends with his dad, the family was late coming to pick him up from practice. And so we, we got to, after practice was over, we cleared the field, and we got to just start talking to each other more than the hour that we get a week to work on soccer skills and, and all of that type of stuff. And little John is, is, is his name. He actually asked me, what do you do for a living? Because I, he, he hadn't figured it out by that point. And I told him, well, I'm a priest and a, a pastor. And he said, oh, my gosh, seven-year-old. And he said, can I ask you some questions? And I was like, well, of course you can. And as we're sitting there talking, he says, now, I've been studying my Bible because we go to this church over here, but I have lots and lots of questions. He said, we were studying in, the, in my Sunday school class that Genesis is supposed to be the beginning. And I said, yeah, that's, that's very good. I'm glad they're teaching you that. And then he said, but we jump all the way to the end, and I'm a little confused about something they were teaching me the other day. And Revelation actually is the end. But he said, they told me that the word that in the Greek, that they actually, Revelation, it says, it, I understood the, the appearing or that God will come in the end times, but that, that the word Revelation can actually translate to apocalypse. And, so, and, and he, he said, and I, I want to know more about what that word means, apocalypse. And then I asked him, well, well, what do you actually think that means? You know, kind of answering questions with questions, that style of teaching and asking forth, back and forth. And he said, well, of course, when I hear the word apocalypse, I think about zombies because that is a, a great big thing and that, had, and, uh, that I am just fascinated with. And then as his dad would finally arrive, and hear what we're talking about, he, it, it was funny. John's dad actually said, well, you know, I'm a little bit chronological, I have a little more chronological time and history to me. And they started talking about apocalypse as father and son. And the dad said, I can't get into all that zombie apocalypse stuff. And I don't want know why you youth are so, that, why that's a thing in our culture today. He said, but, but back in my day, when I heard the word apocalypse, my mind jumps to the movie Apocalypse Now which was about the, the yeah, he said, that when, I, that when I first hear that word, that's what pops into my mind. And then all of a sudden, a couple other people stepping into this conversation, and somebody says, well, when I hear Apocalypse, I, mean, I think about those Left Behind books and the Left Behind movies, and we, we found ourselves focusing on the, the, and we all had to leave very quickly, so it didn't get to go anywhere, but we left that practice on Wednesday night thinking about apocalypse and I was thinking in my head as you hear in the gospel that father Joe just read we have some things coming to us about the apocalypse and I was thankful for God for both the conversations that that came from that little extra time together as well as giving me a fantastic sermon illustration this week as we look at Mark chapter 13. And we got to consider, we have to consider apocalypse and what it means to us. Because uh, 
it contextually, as we get into Mark 13, as we have been hearing, as we have been in the lectionary working through Mark as our gospel pack, uh, passages, that we have before us, they have found, finally arrived into Jerusalem, and Jesus and the disciples have been heading that way. And as we hear today, they, have, they, they are leaving the temple. And then what will happen in Mark 14 and 15 is the betrayal, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection. So right after this teaching of Jesus to his disciples today, that is what is coming right after this. And while we are thinking about apocalypse, some scholars actually call what we have in Mark 13 today, they call it the, the little apocalypse which Jesus is talking about things that will be coming in in due time as we know the crucifixion is right behind this final teaching that Jesus will will have uh, or I guess the the uh, around the table will be the the final supper will be the last final teaching but this is what leads to heading into the crucifixion and the betrayal and as Jesus is teaching them this he brings this, this idea of apocalypse and revealing, revelation, into focus. And he says to them, as they have just left the temple, he said, and, you, you, and we hear, we can only imagine that the disciples, they have been in the temple with Jesus, and they're coming out, and then they look up at the glory and the majesty that is the temple. And they say, look at these stones upon stones and the beautiful golden ceiling. And I, I, we in our time can't imagine it. We can see models of it as it was in, in, its, in its glory days. But uh, if, if I was to say from what I've studied about it, one of these stones, which is mentioned in this passage in Mark 13, the footprint of the empty part of these pews all the way back to Ron and Carol and then as high as the bottom of these lights was one of these stones which formed the temple. Hence, the, all of those built upon each other. And then the disciples thinking in their mind, look at this powerful place. And with the view of it, in the disciples' minds, must have been the trust of what that magnificent building in the temple was. That it is a permanent, a powerful, and how absolute it was in its presence and what it mean, meant to the place and where it stood. And they, they leave, leave the temple, coming out and looking up upon that. And Jesus says, boys, you see this? Not one stone will be left upon another. And Jesus is foretelling what will come 40 or some odd years later. As eventually that time and place will come in 70 AD where that magnificent temple that wasn't even finished when Jesus was saying not one stone will be left upon another, the time would finally come when all of that would fall, that the word of Jesus would come true. Imagine for the people, as the disciples heard it, they think in their head, oh my gosh, when, when is this going to happen? When, when is the sign of the age going to come? And to the people that actually experienced in 70 AD the falling of that temple, it would be everything falling apart. A great loss 
a great upheaval, a great fear for that building that would be so in their minds, so permanent and so powerful and an identity of their, of their nation would fall apart. These words of Jesus came true. And this is where we consider apocalypse and the language of apocalypse and revealing. And this is why scholars call these first eight verses that we have in Mark 13, they, some of them call it the little uh, revealing or the little apocalypse. Because for the disciples, as they heard these words, what happens right after this? It's when the betrayal comes and they see the crucifixion. And just like for the people in 70 AD that actually saw the falling of the temple, the lives of those disciples, as they heard this teaching, would be uprooted in another time of upheaval. Jesus has been telling them, leading up to what we hear today, I have come to die, but fear not, for I will rise again. But they are going to have to go through something horrendous. And horrible to where they think all has lost and everything they have been working for will come to an end. But they will realize the words of Jesus finally, that he will rise again. And Jesus says, and he's at the apocalyptic language that we have, and don't fear. For when you see such rumors of wars and actual wars take place and famine, and earthquakes, and there will be people coming in my name trying to lead you astray. Fear not, because you know the, these are the birth pangs as described of what is to happen. And when we hear about birth pangs, men, we don't fully understand what that actually means. And if we even try, the women may say, you have no idea what you're talking about. But it is used by Mark as the illustration for what Jesus is trying to get through. That through the small pains of the process of birth, that only the men can stand by and hold hands and say, we're here with you. That the women all know so well, it is to get to the promise of holding that child after the process. And it, as, all, as the majority of most parents know, when you go through that and that time is finally over, everything has changed. This is what Jesus wants us to consider this morning. As he teaches the disciples then and as he even teaches us right now, when we find ourselves in similar situations, like the disciples heading to the cross and thinking before Jesus rose again that everything was over in a time of great loss and upheaval, or when that temple finally did fall and what it meant for those people then, in your lives personally, and then for all of us, when our nation and in, in us individually go through these events in life externally, which actually lead us to feelings of it is all over. Everything is coming to an end, and I don't feel any hope to come behind it. This is what Jesus is saying. We must go through these things to realize the promise of new birth that comes from his cross and his resurrection after it. 
And when we find ourselves as, as a nation or even individually in these seasons of feeling like it's all lost and it leads to great fear, when we recognize where brokenness and sin can lead, even when it's our own hands that are guilty of these things. But Jesus reminds us today that by his death, and by his resurrection and the grace that he has given us through it, that when we find ourselves in those times, when we think everything is lost, where do we put our focus? Our focus by his grace and in him, we don't focus on the actual loss itself or the feelings of feeling that where it sends us and what we are to do. We rest in the promise of new life to come to us all by his death and by his resurrection. And that's where we find our focus when those times of uncertainty and, and everywhere we can go for with that and everything that can lead to it, we find the promise of God through those times and then the promises that will come behind it. I'm reminded just last week we brought out at the 915 service the promises of the baptismal covenant and how they lead into the promises that we talk about today as Jesus uses this strong language and imagery of things that did come true to say that in these great times of loss, I will meet you, I have you, and I will hold you. And I will continue to be in relationship with you, restoring, restoring you always and letting you know your new identity of faith as you walk in the way of the resurrection. As you consider, if you find yourself this morning in one of these times of loss and uncertainty, or if you know that you have been through some and that more will come as we hear this morning, that's my question and reminder this morning. Where do you put your focus in these times? Well, Jesus reminds us we put our focus on the one who was, and is, and is to come. Amen.